Welcome to the Commands of Christ podcast brought to you by the Home Discipleship Network. We're excited about guiding people to the Word of God to experience the abundant life and to be encouraged as they walk as disciples of Jesus all through the power of Christ living in us. And now, your hosts, Gabe Cleeter and Nate Payne. Gabe, it's great to be back on the podcast talking about love your enemies. And in this episode, we specifically want to talk about how do we do this command? And obviously, as we've referenced in other episodes, it's really the power of Christ in us. But there are some practical steps that we can take and that Jesus gives that we can take to love our enemies. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and just revisit our verses. Gabe, do you want to just go ahead and uh, cover those verses real quick? And then I'll hop into the first kind of part of practically how this would apply and then and then how can we how can we begin to walk this command out so matthew 5 um, we'll start in verse 43 here it says ye have heard that it's been said thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy but i say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So I think as we start this episode out, Gabe, just one of the things of like, okay, so how do we do it? First of all, I need a perspective change on love. So much of what I have pictured, what I have understood love to be, frankly, is just selfish. It's what I can get out of it. But when we're talking about the love of God, it it is 100% selfless. Because when you love your enemies, you don't get anything out exactly. of it. Exactly. And, and it's an impossible. If, if I define love by something I get back, like a kickback or more specifically in a selfish way, I don't get anything back when I love my enemies, ex- at least in the external realm. But we do get a lot back in the spiritual realm, and that's the whole point to behind loving our enemies. So number one, I think we need to have a mind change on what biblical, genuine love is. And that's what we're, I think we're going to dig into in this episode. But then secondly, um, and we've already talked about this, is understanding that I was the enemy of God. And kind of starting from those two angles, walking into this command, it really helps to, to, to kind of put some teeth on this, to kind of put some grit on this, to really, to make it very practical to our lives so that we know how we can love, how we can serve our enemies. Reminds me of the verse that says, even as you were talking about how we were the enemies of God, and yet God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, how it says in 1 John, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. Mm. And we are. And just to see how it's like, it's as we see the love that God has for us, that we're then, it's like, as we behold the Lord, and as we spend time in his word, we begin to receive that love, and then we become a channel of that love, because we really can't give something 
something that we haven't received. That's exactly right. And so if we're just trying to love, it's it's kind of like it's like if we're just trying to love our our, our enemy, but we're trying to do it with our own human love and with our own effort, we'll find we'll always come up short. So to really be a channel of love to our enemy, we need to be first receiving the love of God for ourselves. Yes. And that only really comes, Nate, one way, and that's as we sit at the Lord's feet and we spend time in his word. It's as we spend time with him that we receive his love. As we spend time in his word, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time pursuing him, as we spend time with him, he just fills us and fills us and fills us with his love. And then we're able to be a channel of that love to other people. It's kind of like we. It's kind of like the car's not going to drive unless it's full of fuel. Well, in the same way, we're not going to love our enemies unless we're full of the love of God, mm-hmm. and that's, that becomes the overflow of our life. And you think about the love of God. I think First Corinthians thirteen really uh, expounds or explains to us what love looks like. You know, it talks about that um, in First Corinthians thirteen talks about love in so many different facets and angles. But it talks about how love doesn't seek its own, right? And love is patient and all these different aspects of what love is and i would just encourage our listeners go back and read through first corinthians 13 in light of this command mm-hmm. and you'll just i think see wow this and then remember when you get to the end of the chapter that's what god's telling us to have towards our enemies right and it's like whoa right. <laughs> like we can kind of see okay this one's supposed to have right. you know for those close to me and my friends and what but right. it's like no it's not just that this one's supposed to have towards my enemies and not just that but that's the love that god has had towards me when i was his enemy mm-hmm that's right, and I think when we get captured by the awe of that and we receive it, it's like then, if I could put it this way, we start seeing people the way God sees them. That's right. So in other words, if I first see the way God saw me, right, as his enemy, he saved me, reconciled me to himself through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus, and his resurrection, right? But then what God wants to do is he wants us to see life from his perspective. He wants us to see people the way he does. You know, how does God see people, right? Well, God sees people made in his image that he wants to redeem, that he sent his son to die for, that he wants to um, to save and transform. And we start to see him that way. When we start, if I could say this way, when we start to see people through the blood of Jesus, where we start to see our enemy in light of, where we see him, but we don't see them as our enemy. We see them as for someone who Christ died, someone who's made in the image of God, and someone who God wants to save, redeem, and transform and use. Then it Trans- it changes everything. That turns the tables it completely. Really does. And I think what you're talking about and what you ba- have basically said that I, I want to coin just a phrase on is basically in order to love, we have to abide in love. Mm-hmm. And how do we abide in love? And scripture is clear about this. In fact, it it's blown my mind as I've studied and, and thought on love is just one of the number one ways loving God, abiding in God's love is defined, is meditating upon his word, is delighting, is keeping his word, treasuring his word. If we want to abide in the love of God, it is doing exactly what you have shared. And I think, um, but the flip side of that coin, which is very interesting, and, and, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, is what would be one of the things that would keep us from loving our enemies is actually defined in 1 John 2.15. And I'm going to read that. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When I was preparing for this command and I came across this verse, I was like, oh, I was like, this is one of the reasons why I may be kept or hindered from loving my enemies is because my love 
is set upon the world, my affections, my desires. And when my heart is filled with worldly things, and, and frankly, what does scripture say? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. So no wonder I can't love not just my enemies. I can't love anybody if I have a love for the world. And just seeing that part of loving our enemies is God emptying us out of a, a selfish love for ourselves and the things of the world, which is not even really love, it's selfishness, and filling us with his kind of love. Yeah, that's so good, is that like, if, if because I think a lot of what happens is if I'm loving the world and I'm, I'm saturating myself in the things of the world, who I'm really loving is myself. I, I'm centered on myself. Right, I'm selfish. Right. And if I'm self-centered and self-focused and self-seeking and I'm all about my pleasure, then, then, then I'm not going to be loving anybody, especially not my enemy who makes me uncomfortable and, and you know, is right. causing hurt in my life. It's like, but when I begin to allow the love of God to replace the love for the world, that love just begins to take over. I, it like takes over all of who we are. It does. And then it begins to co- flow through us to those around us. And I think, practically speaking, we've touched on this in, in previous episodes, but let's break it down. Let's make it really practical here. Jesus gives these three different things, blessing, doing good, and praying. And I guess I want to just start out with blessing. And we mentioned that the literal definition or the definition of of bless, when he says bless those that curse you, the word bless is to speak well of, okay? And and the, the picture I get here is literally we are commanded to speak life over our enemies. Verse, a ble- what, what's the opposite of a blessing? It's a curse. It's a curse. And curse brings death. And it's just like when I am being confronted with mine enemy, or even when my enemy's name is brought up and I'm not even in that particular situation, I am to speak life over that. I am to be speaking blessing over that. And I'm thinking of the passage that in Scripture that talks about death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I, I really don't think, at least for myself, I don't really believe that a lot of times because if I really did, I think a lot of my words would be different. But Scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and then they love it will eat the fruit thereof. And it's just out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Going back to what we just said, what's in our heart is going to come out through our mouth. And it's the, if it's the love of God, we will bless our enemies. That's right, and I and this is so important because our words are powerful. And are we speaking blessing? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking cursing and death? And I think it's important that we see in each arena of our life that God's calling us to to love our enemies and to even to the point where we're blessing them and we're speaking well of them. And I this is this is so important. And then we also see that not just speaking well of them, but then doing good to them. I get the picture of it's almost like looking for needs that our enemies may have and seeking to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And if I'm self-focused and self-centered, this goes out the window, <laughs> right? I'm not going to do this. But if, but, if I'm, but if I'm seeking to love my enemy, it's like, okay, what needs does my enemy have and how can I meet those needs? You know, it, it talks about doing good. The word do good there is like to, to beautify, to make excellent, to honor, to lift up, to make precious and valuable. Which is not what I would think <laughs> of 
when I'm thinking of my enemy, right? And it's not <laughs> what we want to do, right? If anything, we want to bring down and tear down and speak against. But the Lord talks about like where, where it's like in our actions, we're showing love for our enemy. We're showing care for our enemy. And I think of this picture, one of the best pictures of this that I've heard was by a guy named Dirk Williams. And he was um, he was an Anabaptist, which was when um, back in the year, many years ago, there was um, there were these different ones that realized the need to that that baptism was a believer's baptism. In other words, you wouldn't be just baptized as an infant, that you needed to, it was when the, the purpose of baptism was after you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that it was a public acknowledgement of what had happened, that you died in Christ and were raised with him to newness of life. And so there was, um, and so they were called Anabaptists or rebaptizers, and which, which they wouldn't have said they were being rebaptized, they would say they're being baptized for the first time That's because right. when they were baptized as an That's infant, right. it didn't count. <laughs> right. Um, and so they were at that time, there was um, a there was a tremendous amount of persecution from the religious leaders of that time over those that really pursued this biblical avenue and truth of baptism in other areas as well. And so there was this um, there was this man named Dirk Williams, and because he was standing for some of these biblical truths, he ended up getting um, taken and um, uh, put into captivity, and ultimately was going to be martyred but he was able to one time escape out of the city or wherever he was being held he was able to escape out i think he made like a a a rope out of like sheets or cloth or something he was able to lower himself out of a window down a wall and he took off and he escaped but one of the guards saw him and took off after him and so now this you you picture he's running and this other guy's pursuing him and it was in i don't remember what country now but it was cold wherever it was it was in the winter and there was probably snow and whatnot and there was a um there was like a pond or some body of water that had a thin layer of ice on it and obviously it's risky to run out on that because you don't know how thick the ice was, but he took his chance, and Dirk Williams ran across the, the ice, and he made it across. Well, his um, pursuer came after him. The guard came after him and ran across too, but the ice didn't hold under his pursuer, and he f- and the guard fell through the ice and started yelling and shouting for help. Now, Dirk Williams is running. This is his chance to escape. You know, His pursuer just fell through the ice. Naturally speaking, all of us would say, run, Dirk, run. You know what I mean? God just wait away for you to escape is what we would think you know, in our fleshly minds. But Dirk Williams remembered that we're supposed to love our enemies, that we're supposed to do good to those that hate us, right? We're supposed to show the love of Christ to our enemies. And so instead of keeping running, he turned around, went back out on the ice, which I think in many ways was risking his own life even in that, and he's able to grab his pursuer and pull him out. What an amazing expression of love for our enemies. And, and the guy was actually, his pursuer would have let him go, but there was someone else there that was in leadership and told, no, you can't do that. And they ended up bringing Dirk Williams back into captivity. And ultimately, Nate, Dirk Williams was martyred. Mm. But, you know, to this day, I, I remember seeing a, a, a good friend of mine having a painting of a picture of, of, of Dirk Williams, someone painted, pulling this guy out of the ice, wow. his enemy out. And, and it's like to generations to come, it has stood as a monument, if a uh, monument's not the right word, but it stood as a picture of God's heart that we would love our enemies and has inspired, I would say, probably countless people in loving their enemies. And so I think this is really where the rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. where, where we love our enemies. And I think that's just such a good picture of a kind of love that is selfless, that lays down their life for their enemy, even if it costs everything. That's right. That's right. And that's doing good. That's doing good. Last but not least, what we have here is praying. Jesus says, pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. And when I think of praying for for 
my enemies, it's not just a fact, the matter of fact of, oh, Jesus, please help them or something like that. Just a very frank, just a very simple, we as believers, because of what Christ has done, we are, as scripture says, priests. We have the responsibility to bring our enemies before the very throne of God and to intercede for them, that God would do the work in their heart that only he can. And I believe that, so we're talking about blessing them, we're talking about doing good, and I think at the top of all this is praying. Prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, not because it's a man's prayer, but it's because when prayer is lined up with the Word of God, it becomes not just effectual, but you can pray with fervency, and God answers those prayers. And I would also say this, too, is that there's very few things, I think, that actually cultivate in our heart a love for our enemy than investing our time in praying for them. That's right. Because Scripture says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm. In many ways, the greatest treasure we have is our time. So when we invest our time in praying for our enemy, our heart is turned towards them in love. Right. And if we're holding any bitterness or any anger or any ill will towards our enemy— it's it, it can't stay. It cannot stay because that's one going to be one of the first things that God touches on when we come before Him in prayer. Is Hey, listen, weren't you my enemy? Mm-hmm. You know, I could just picture God saying that. Have not I forgiven you of every sin? It's like yes, Lord, you have. And just having the privilege of being that mediator, if you will, for our enemies and bringing them into the throne room and praying for them. So. I think this has been good, Gabe. We've talked about some practical tools of how we can actually carry this command. We kind of want to summarize this all in the next episode. We want to kind of culminate it and uh, touch more on some, some specifics of this. But for our listeners, we hope you guys have been encouraged. Make sure you subscribe, and we look forward to you joining us on our next and final episode on the command of Christ, Love Your Enemies. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us on this journey through the commands of Christ, brought to you by the Home Discipleship Network. If you would like to go deeper in this month's focus, head over to homediscipleshipnetwork.org, where you can download a free study guide to accompany each command. And if today is your first time with us, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you will be able to join us each week as we explore the commands of Christ together. That's it for today, and we'll be back with more next week.